Okay, hello, welcome. Um, before we get started on this episode, we have a couple like news things, I guess. So first of all, thank you so much. We had a lot of people enjoy our first episode, our little trailer introduction episode. So we really appreciated that and hearing from you all on Twitter. Um, we got some cover art, which is really exciting. Um, I'm not sure how to say <laughs> they're at, but if you go to our Twitter, um, it is there. They're, they're in our bio. Um, we have credited them for their art. So thank you so much. <laughs> Shelby has some news um, that was sort of going around a lot on Paper Girls Twitter yesterday. <laughs> so we're gonna start with just, just a little bit of news from Shelby. Yeah, so before we get started, I just wanted to briefly discuss all of the new information we got from the Cliff interview yesterday. First, I wanted to give a shout out to everyone at the Big Gay Energy Pod for doing such a wonderful job and asking Cliff some very, very good questions. Um, it was a great watch, and if you haven't seen it already, we highly recommend that you do. Uh, we will provide the link for your reference. Uh, secondly, I just wanted to say that <laughs> I apologize for causing the timeline trauma when I shared the contents of that interview, um, but if for some reason you didn't see all of that chaos, uh, here's a quick rundown of what we learned. Uh, Cliff did mention that Cage Mac got sent to the distant past uh, and not the far future like many of us believed. And also, according to Cliff, Legendary is still actively shopping the show. Uh, he also said that Legendary believes that there is interest, but he is an unaware in what capacity that interest is. With all this new information, there's obviously a ton of possibilities for comic parallels and new storylines, especially for future Tiff in a potential season two, but we will try and leave most of that for our theories episode as this episode is focused on Tiff and what we know as canon. So yeah, that's it for the news. All right, that's so all. that is a little bit of Paper Girls news for you. Um, today we have here only four people. The podcast is gonna have different people on every time just cause not everybody can commit to doing this every week. Um, so we have me, Nora, Shelby, Tavia, and we have a new person with us today. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself? Just give us like your name, yeah. pronouns, Twitter handle, and how you got into Paper Girls. That's how we did it last time. Okay. Um, thank you everyone for having me. Uh, my name is Afion, but uh, everyone can call me Af. Most people do. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and my Twitter at is Paper Girls um, with the four where the A is and a one where the I is. Mm -hmm. um, I got into Paper Girls. It's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to make it short. Um, it was my friend's birthday. It was September 2016. No, um, it was my friend's birthday, and I was looking for something to get her um, in the comics section because I usually like to read comics. And I saw the Paper Girls comics. The art caught my eye. Um, I know we don't like Stranger Things comparisons. I don't like them either, but it was 2016. And so I saw four kids on bikes. It was the 80s. I was like, she likes Stranger Things. And so I picked it up. Unfortunately, they did not have the first volume. So I got her the second and third. And um, I kind of read it to see if it would be too confusing. Um, and I got kind of interested in it myself. And yeah. That's so cool. We haven't had anybody on that's been like a super long time fan. Yeah. <laughs> old, ancient, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I bounced back and forth with my interests. So I wouldn't say yeah. I've been in the depths of no. the fandom for it's yeah. It's kind of impossible to be in the depths of a fandom yeah. for like six years. Um, <laughs> but that is very the cool. Of metal. 
Yeah, that's um, super cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So we're recording this on a Saturday. Um, Monday is Tiff's birthday. Um, we'll be posting Hello. this on Tuesday. So that the episode is going to be Tiff Tuesday. Um, so that's very exciting. It's very fun. Happy birthday, Tiff. Happy birthday, Tiff. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not her birthday yet, but we're celebrating. Um, so <laughs> this is a Tiff breakdown episode. And we've some of us have some notes. And all of us have ideas. This is going to be really thoughts. fun. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Quick note from Nora about um, 20 minutes before this episode is going to come out. Um, just like after editing, I feel like I have to put a little preface. We did not really have time to adequately prepare for this. So we just sort of went in chronological order throughout the series and just talked um <laughs> it's definitely not the best um not the best organized not the most coherent but we had a lot of fun and we hope that people will enjoy it and have fun listening to us and we'll be better prepared next time but just so you know we start the podcast like pretty prepared and we get more and more tired and less and less prepared as the episode goes on we recorded this over two hours straight um and it ended up being edited down to like one hour but still keep that in mind and also keep in mind that I am also more and more exhausted the more that I edited this so the quality just gradually decreases um I don't know we were sort of thinking of starting with the character description but I think that I might want to skip that and just do the show introduction does anybody have any opinions on that I don't care okay so Tiff's character introduction I think Something that's done really well in, in episode one is the introduction of all the characters, that first little like clip where they're all introduced. Um, and I think Tiff's is really interesting, more so than I think some of the others. I don't know, does anybody have any any thoughts they want to start with? About the scene where she's introduced? Yeah, so it's like, you know, her mom wakes her up, mm-hmm. it's time to join the rat race, and she like pulls her pillow over. I think given how detail-oriented the rest of the characters' scenes are, um, that almost feels a little out of character for Tiff, um, which I find really interesting to think about. Yeah, because, I mean, she really gives off that, like, she's kind of prepared. Yeah. So it, it kind of just, like, it is pretty out of character. But you do, like, in her room itself, you do see a lot of her, like, yes, inner absolutely. personality with her likes and her interests. And she's... Mm-hmm. The thing I think of is, obviously, I think it's really interesting in that introduction scene that we see her mom. That's the only time we see her mom, which... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, they added that so that we can also get a glimpse of her relationship with her mom because then we don't get to, like, see exactly. any interaction yeah. in the yeah. season. So, like, when, like, older Tiff is kind of, like, basically being kind of negative, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to, like, understand because we see, like... I think she's even the only one that... whose mom wakes her up. Like, Aaron yeah. wakes up with an old clearly got up by herself yeah and i don't know what happened with kj but i'm KJ, assuming I mean, th- yeah i feel like part of it is her mom is in her scrubs and from yes. the comics you yeah. know her mom's a doctor yeah so right. i feel like her mom was probably on her way to work when she was mm-hmm. waking to as well and so i'm pushing a little a little idea maybe mm-hmm. that's also why tiff took this job to like be able to be up around the same time as her mom is. That's so interesting. I love that. I love that. I never thought of that. That also so makes cool. a lot of sense. Yeah. I think to me, yeah. I mean, first, I think it's important to establish the fact that her mom's a nurse. She's so hardworking. Um, and mm-hmm. 
the sort of time to join the rat race. She's like pushing Tiff to be the best. Now I'm getting into some sort of, sort of those metaphors, um, pushing her to be the best, um, which ties into some ideas of black excellence that I know App has talked a lot about um, and we'll totally get into <laughs> later. And it's sort of the idea of like her mother p- is pushing her out of love, which ties into a lot of um, yeah. the, the relationship with her mother that we see a lot when older Tiff is introduced. So that's sort of my ideas of the significance of that first scene. Does anybody, Tavia, do you have anything to add? Not really, but I will add more though. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I feel like first of all, I just want to say, I think in the same way that Tiff's like very first introduction was very different to the other characters, I think all of them got really, really strong characterization within the first episode. We see we see that Aaron is like feels very responsible for her family. We see that KJ um, has this resentment towards her family. We see um, Max whole everything. Um, <laughs> but Tiff, we aren't we aren't really given explicitly as much. Um, there's that whole thing right. of like her being smart and having all these super high expectations of herself that we don't really get into in the first episode. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really interesting. Um, and if, I think, you know, first of all, just sort of shows how great the writing is that they can do that and introduce her character so subtly. Um, but it's also, mm-hmm. it also made me think of like the specifics of why you would introduce a black character like that, because I think there's a lot of stereotypes you can get into. Um, and I can see in so many different parts of the first episode that they are, work they they seem to have worked really hard to try to avoid those and i think if they mm-hmm. acknowledged how smart she was in the very beginning i think it might unfortunately taint the audience's perspective of her based on some of the sort of like smart black girl you know acting white um i don't know why i'm doing air quotes nobody can see me um and so i think that's something that's really that really resonated with me and it's also like unfortunate that maybe they had to do that and work so hard to do that mm-hmm. Yeah, it is incredibly subtle, and, like, re-watching it so many times, you're able to pick up on, like, the small hints of her genius at work, um, or just, like, her mm-hmm. elevated, like, brain in comparison yeah. to all the other girls, uh, but it does take a rewatch for that to happen. Because I didn't pick up on it immediately, and I think I stated previously mm-hmm. that I was reading the comic, watching the show at the same time, so I, I was aware that she was the smartest of the group, but... I still, you know, hadn't hadn't finished the comics at that time. Yeah, I, I did a little working list of sort of the hints of how smart she is. Um, the fact that she was an okay. a- astronaut as a kid, um, her very specific knowledge on her walkie-talkies. Um, she has this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she has this whole thing about, um, like, what if it's the Soviets that are attacking us? Yeah, um, understanding the, the nuclear attack procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and know- a nerd would know those kind of things. Knowing the name of... Um, <laughs> like the, the medical name for sleepwalking, which also might have to do with her mother, but still. Um, right. And then just the fact that she's so she's so curious and, and knowledgeable. She's so curious about the device um, that Naldo gives her and the Alexa in, in Aaron's house. Um, and she's so, so, so observant. Um, mm-hmm. When they go to Mac's house, um, I can't remember, I think it's KJ that's like, where were all the people out there? Um, and Tiff is the one yeah. to point out there weren't any cars either. And all of them were too sort of freaked out to look at that. And then she even, you know, when they get to Aaron's house, she immediately looks at the fridge and tries to figure out what's going on. And she immediately pieces together, that's Aaron. This is Aaron. I think it's also um, a good way of portraying, like, just like a 
I don't want to get into gifted child discourse, but I think it's like a good way of portraying like <laughs> gifted kids. Cause I feel like a lot of like TV shows and movies also, they just like start, they don't typically act the way a gifted child would. Yeah. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like they just like are kind of a little bit um, yeah, like it's... a walking calculator. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like um, it's a little more nuanced and layered than that. And I think mm-hmm. um, Tiff, um, the way they characterized her is like more nuanced because it's like she's very observant in like her surroundings mm-hmm. and like um, being able to like apply what she knows. <laughs> One of my favorite things is, um, first of all, she's not ashamed of her knowledge. We see this yeah. with um, with Tiff when she's, with sorry, with older Tiff when she like, you know, goes into all this like complex mathematics when talking about like the explanation for time travel. Um, mm-hmm. But we also see this in in normal Tiff, you know, when, when she says that scientific name for sleepwalking, Max, like what? <laughs> and and Tiff is like, it's sleepwalking. Like she, do- she doesn't feel embarrassed or, you know, no, no matter what other people say, she's proud of being, you know, who she is. And she, something that I specifically wrote down is she doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, right. She doesn't sugarcoat the truth about most things and she doesn't sugarcoat herself. She doesn't try to make herself more palatable to other people. When we first see her interact with Aaron, she's, you know, smart. She goes into that um, situation in a way that is going to help both of them. But the way she talks to Aaron, Aaron's like, I had that handled. And Tiff is saying, like, did you really want him to, like, bash your head in? Like, come on. Um, so she's she's clearly, like, compassionate and she cares um, but she's not necessarily, there's a difference between like compassionate and like doing good things and nice. She's not like nice. She's yeah. kind. She's like, it, it's very clear that she's super like comfortable with how she is and mm-hmm. how she thinks. Mm-hmm. She she often like shares that with people because she's just very, very like, like blunt, but also just unapologetically herself. And it shows through with the whole like season of the show. I think it's really yeah. important to pick that apart because, I mean, her development was a little bit prolonged more than the others, but yeah. I do think that it's still, like, super important, and she is a really important character. Mm-hmm. And going back to Tiff, Aaron, and the racist guy, um, mm-hmm. I feel like part of that also shows that she's a bit of a strategic thinker as well. Like, out of all the girls, kind of, like, when Prius's brother shows up, her first instinct is always like, how can we get out of this situation yes. safely? I didn't write anything right. down about that. <laughs> and, yeah, and so she's like willing to hand over this device, even though she doesn't know what it is. She mm-hmm. knows it's super important. And she knows the people who just killed Heck and Naldo want it. But she's willing to like hand it over because like she tends to like prioritize and like compartmentalize things. Like mm-hmm. it's like, this is the most important thing now. So we're just going to handle that. And I think that also shows in how, I don't want to jump the gun, but that also shows in how she like tends to handle her emotions as yes. well. I think mm-hmm. just clams up. Yeah. She's like super, like a lot of the stuff that like, she loves picking things apart and, and seeing the details and things, mm-hmm. whether it's decisions mm-hmm. or small things, like even the device or just knowledgeable about other stuff but she seems to really really enjoy that and we see that a, a, a lot and she's she's really good at keeping her cool and having like this critical thinking about everything and she yeah. knows it definitely something i was talking about 
a lot when when we were rewatching this first episode was that Tiff very much has like a solver mindset. She's one of those people. She's one of those people that mm-hmm. really wants to solve any problem, and she gets so focused on solving that problem that you know sometimes some problems can't be solved. Um, it's like an all right. or nothing, all or nothing sort of thing. And going with yeah. that forest scene, something that I really find interesting is when the old watch shows up. You know, everybody's super suspicious of Hackenaldo at that point. Um, but Aaron, KJ, and Mac all run away from both the Old Watch and Hackenaldo. Um, however, Tiff follows Naldo, I believe it is, who is the one who doesn't get shot immediately. Um, so she mm-hmm. s- separates herself from the group because to follow Naldo. Um, she's to me that mm-hmm. is like she's seeking answers. She wants to know what's going on, and she can learn that from him. Um, um, which actually. I think that brings me a little bit to episode two of the very beginning when um, Mac and Tiff are sort of like squabbling a little bit and everybody else is sort of freaking out. But Mac and Tiff are squabbling of Mac saying like, what if we're dead? Right. And Tiff immediately like latches on to the idea of time travel because she knows something like they know something really, really, really weird is happening. Um, but to her, time travel See, is like the most lo- the more logical explanation it's the more scientific explanation for sure um mm-hmm. she says if we're dead then we're in hell that's a situation that very much does not make any sense and she immediately latches on to the most logical situation and then you know aaron goes up and the girls are getting ready for bed they have that whole conversation well mac mac isn't there um tiff and kj and aaron all have this conversation which i think those conversations are so interesting i love those types of conversations because um Mm -hmm. i think they they're really they're a really shocking and important part of the show that like those goofy scenes like this scene and the period scene very much remind you that these are children and so it seems like a very strange reaction to be having um to just like suddenly be able to like giggle but they're they're 12 like yeah and it's it's Mm -hmm. good to see them all have this like they find some sort of peace but something that resonated with me a lot was when they're talking about their pets and um she talks about her hamster she says weird al is dead and she almost seems like she almost like checks out in that moment, um, which mm. like Lee and I were talking about at that time, sort of just like, you know, she she was running with Naldo. Naldo gets shot. She's like right next to him. She almost gets shot. Um, and then she has to watch him die right in front of her. You know, and in the moments after that, I guess we're going sort of back to episode one. In the moments after that, she doesn't really talk very much until that big crisis of um, the Prioress's brother comes. She's sort of like in shock because of that, definitely in that moment. Um, But the whole weird Al is dead thing, um, it turns into like a funny moment, but it very much, I felt like I had a peek into her mind of like, wow, like dealing with the idea of death and mortality is like fucking intense. Again, she's 12 years old. That whole (laughs) scene is like serves Uh. as a reminder of that in, in many different she's still ways. like like you can see that she still kind of prioritizes certain emotions and kind of keeps certain ones to herself but like i feel like seeing her in like the cafe and stuff that's her actually like feeling her feelings finally and getting it out and, and yeah. yelling and it, it's it's a, it's a big moment because mm-hmm. you see that she's sort of holding a lot back especially mm-hmm. in the um te- the, the text phone store. place oh, <laughs> in the text store we start to see much more of that critical her criticalness of other people right um, and these high expectations of herself like she can't imagine the idea that her future self wouldn't be somebody that could help them yeah 
Well, I have in my notes uh, that she's already, you know, she's so focused on finding her future self even in so early on. Mm-hmm. Like, they just got there, and she's already, you know, saying that she's talking so highly about her future self and has this pre-existing idea that her future self is everything that she wanted to be. And yeah. she even says, like, we have to find my future self. She'll know what to do. Because um, mm-hmm. in her mind, there is no way that she wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, and I think it's it's an interesting contrast between Aaron and Tiff in those moments. Because right. um, I think if the roles were reversed and we had seen future Tiff and like Tiff sort of disillusionment with not being who she was, who she wanted to be, I think Aaron would immediately reconsider. Like, oh my gosh, am I, you know, yeah. am I a failure too? But Tiff that like isn't even affected by that idea. Yeah, she doesn't even explore the possibility of being a mm-hmm. failure. Yeah, and obviously I think that whole emo- that whole crazy freak out when the when the thing fritzes is really interesting. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting also how her first like reaction after seeing it like mess up is like I was on the track for MIT. It's like yes. you're 12. Yeah. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, there's so much else going on. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. like, with, with her mom, I think, I don't even think she really realizes it until, like, other Tiff is, like, you know, like, saying all that stuff, and I still think that she doesn't realize it. But, mm-hmm. like, I feel like the whole perfectionist in her is uh, brought on a lot by her mom mm-hmm. because yeah. of this mm-hmm. whole, like, thing of her having to have success, and she does not realize it. She's pretty much blind to it. I She's think- a kid. I mean, of course mm-hmm. she's gonna be. She immediately, whenever something doesn't go her way, she immediately blames somebody else, even if it was her doing. Like, for example, when they like leave Storm out of the house, uh, she forgets the device. Um, she's like, right. none, of, none of you grabbed it. And, and KJ's like, you mean, you mean you forgot it? Like, that was clearly like, she was the one who cared about that device. She should have grabbed it, which um, that it's, moment to me is really interesting. Yeah. It's just like, it's such a 12-year-old thing to say, but also it's such an only child thing to say, too. Yes. Like, yeah. I would probably have said something like that, like, oh, no one else was looking for it. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. it's like, it's essentially her responsibility, kind of, because she's the one who's, like, the most um, convinced that it's their way home. There's definitely a parallel between um, Tiff's experience as an only child and KJ's experience as an only child, because Tiff clearly at least feels very supported mm-hmm. and in in a lot of ways is more supported than KJ is. Their relationships with their mother are similar in a lot of ways as where like they're pushing them to be a person that maybe they, they aren't. It's just Tiff um, doesn't even like consider, she doesn't even consider the idea of being someone other than, than what her mother wants. Yeah. No, they have a lot of good parallels between them. Yeah. Um, right. Like, it's hard not to bring up KJ when you're talking about Tiff, but I feel like especially, um, like, what Tiff's mom wants out of her, I feel like it doesn't sound like a bad thing. Like, it's like, oh, like, I just want you to be great and be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we hop into the Black Excellence Association? Yeah, do whatever you want. This seems like a good time to bring that up. I do want to reference the Teen Vogue article. Love a reference. So it was by Vanessa Willoughby. Um, but it basically brings up that Tiffany is like, her character like kind of shows like the trap that black excellence can become. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like based in your, your self-worth becomes based in your productivity, which I think also yeah. ties in with the rat race thing as well, mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, I feel like Tiffany feels like, once she 
gets all these accolades, like, she'll be somebody in a sense. Yeah. But um, it, like, all seems good on paper. Like, it's like, okay, you work really hard, you become valedictorian, you go to MIT, and then you have to, like, be the best in your MIT engineering program, and you have to be the best in, like, um, your job. And it's just, like, these things never end, and you're not really valued as a person. You're just valued for what, like, you can do for people. I feel like mm-hmm. is what a 12-year-old doesn't understand that a 23-year-old would. I already know, like, engineering is very, like, white and male um, major, so I can't imagine what it was, like, in the 90s in MIT. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, I feel like when you're Black and then a woman, you're also holding yourself to, like, really, really high standards. So it's, like you also feel like you can't mess up. And I feel like part of her being like, no one brought the device, even though it's her fault, is like just trying to like shift any possible thing. Like she cannot be seen in her own head as anything less Mm -hmm. than perfect. Another moment, just to finish up episode two, another (laughs) moment that's really interesting is um, Max sort of lashes out at all of them. Um, Everybody in, in that, at that point, sort of in the entire second episode, is being quite unfair to everybody else. Um, Something that really interested me was um, Mac. Mac literally says, she says, like, I have that paper route. I need the money for lunch. I need lunch money, not to go shopping Inspector fucking Gadget or something like that. Um, And Tiff Tiff almost, like, looks remorseful at that in a way that I think is really interesting. I feel like... Because the whole scene is so interesting. I'm not trying to talk about Mac in the scene, but... I feel like the moment Mac gets upset is when they're all talking about the concert and it's something they can all relate to, but Mac can't. Um, And so like Tiff then makes the comment like, yeah, Mac's brother's probably the one in jail. And it's like, she's just like kind of paralleling what Mac already said about KJ, but she doesn't Mm -hmm. really seem Mm -hmm. to understand their class implications to saying something like that. Especially to like Mac. And obviously, yeah. She apologizes really quickly, though. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's that Mm -hmm. genuine of an apology, but she's just kind of like, okay, sorry, but, like, Mac isn't done (laughs) because they really (laughs) pissed her off this time. Yeah. Right. I just noticed that. I was like, hmm. Because it's like you would think Tiff would be a more confrontational person, Mm -hmm. but she kind Mm -hmm. of isn't, honestly, which I think is interesting. I mean... And I feel like she also apologizes that Mac wouldn't leave, which did not end up working out in her favor yeah she's that sort of ties into the idea that she's not like nice but she's definitely not a confrontational person um in mm-hmm. in like conflict scenarios her aim is always to de-escalate with that yeah. race, with that racist guy at the beginning with the prioress's brother it's always like the first priority is safety i wish i would have been paying more attention with when they finally um explain things to larry the fire pit scene you're yeah talking, oh you're talking and about the scene the kitchen scene and the fire pit scene um yeah i wish i had more to say about that because i don't remember them very well but i do remember that um tiff doesn't really take the lead in those scenarios it's, it's more so older aaron and kj um, yeah which is mm-hmm. a whole other thing to talk about later but um she's definitely like sort of i don't know those that's one thing i'm i'm definitely editing that out because i don't have it um <laughs> tied in with de-escalation yeah. What's the fire pit scene exactly? He's explaining the okay, time more. So, yeah, I can talk more about that. I okay. have some notes okay, on go. that. Go um, so, so when they're all around the fire and Larry's kind of explaining not just the the STF, but like the time war in general, Tiffany, they're all asking questions, but Tiffany's kind of the one who takes the lead and asks like the most 
pre like prevalent question. She asks like, how do they, how do you guys fix things without disrupting everything that comes after? Um, and even Larry says, you know, this is a lot of information. It's you know hard to follow. And she says, no, it's not. I'm following. I think it definitely that scene definitely contributes to um, the whole thing with Larry in episode four, where he like has this weird realization that oh my god, like she's a twelve year old kid. Um, yeah. Because. I feel like that's probably something she encounters a lot is unfortunately people treat her as older than they should. Because of her intelligence, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say she's definitely intelligent, but she's not mature. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a certain amount of, like, emotional maturity and intelligence that she lacks. Um, yeah. So she forces herself to, like, grow up a lot more mm -hmm. than she should, and that includes with, like, maturity and stuff, but she's still a kid. Yeah, And I feel like when she catches herself being a kid, she kind of just... I think there's a lot of pressure on her to grow up really fast because mm -hmm. she's smart, but... Like, um, the Vogue article, it's <laughs> a throw it in here, as we were, so it also kind of mentions that as well, totally. and also points to, like, a lot of, like, young Black girls are treated as older than they are, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're viewed as being more mature. Yeah. Even though, like, Tiff, like, from what we know and we see of her, she really is just, like, 12. Mm -hmm. But um, because she's, like, so smart and then she's already, like, black, everyone's just like, uh, okay, yes. Like, yeah. she has to know what she's doing and talking about. She doesn't know more than the other girls as much as she would mm -hmm. hate. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's definitely. She convinces Larry and Aaron to have them go to 1988 so that they can save Hecanaldo. You know, once again, that sort of problem solver. She's trying to find a solution that works for everybody. Um, right. She doesn't want to just send them home. She wants to fix everything mm -hmm. if possible. And something, yeah. something, something we were wondering was like, there definitely seems to be a deleted scene in episode four where KJ, like, where KJ is actively leaving um, and taking that motor, that motorbike. Um, because when Larry and, and Tiff talk at the very beginning, Larry's like, you know, your friend left, right? Um, and Tiff says, I tried to stop her. Um, and there's actually one of the audition scripts was a scene where KJ is leaving and Tiff and Aaron are trying to stop her. And so that is something to consider with Tiff's whole thing in that episode. Tiff, during the argument with Mac, is very focused on like, you know, we should stick together. That's the safest thing. And I think in some ways, her actions in episode four, you know, maybe trying to discourage KJ would um, contradict that. But in some ways, it also... She can't really do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So if she can keep the rest of them together, at yes. least there's that. Yeah, once again, that, that feeling of responsibility for everybody's safety. I think I'm going to skip over the whole Aaron, Larry thing, other than the fact that they see Larry die, and that's really awful. Um, well, we should talk about the backpack, I feel like. No, I'm, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to skip until that point. <laughs> that's what I was going to Okay, do. good, good, good. Um, definitely, you know, once again, solving, you know, now she's like, we're alone. We have to figure this out. We have to know things. Um, so she mm -hmm. risks she, her Not life. only are they alone. Yeah. Yeah, not only are they alone, but she's already got some sort of knowledge of mm -hmm. the almanac and mm -hmm. what it entails. So she, she knows that that's incredibly important to get them back. That's one of the points where she's, she starts to, like, abandon that idea of, like, prioritizing her and everybody else's safety to a certain degree, like, with all this stuff going on, all of them just sort of, like, develop a reckless attitude. We see that a lot in episode eight. When she went back for the almanac, 
I feel like that was more about like I feel because she implies that she's trying to get involved in the time war. Yeah, in some right, way, right. It really pisses off KJ. Yeah, um, <laughs> we can we can go to that now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good segue. Definitely, I think I've got I've thought about that scene a lot. On Tiff's side, it's definitely like you know she wants to get involved. She wants to maybe save Hecanaldo again, connected mm-hmm. to the whole watching somebody die is really fucking traumatic. KJ says the words, I'm tired of watching people die. Um, mm-hmm. which to me, I almost feel like I almost feel like Tiff should agree with that. She was right there when Naldo died. I um, feel like yeah, she's just like in solution. Yeah, and it's also like it's- the, the solver in her. She wants to solve this problem, even though it, it, he's already dead. Um, it's, it's like causing her so much emotional turmoil and maybe that's, that, maybe that's part of what she wants to solve. But even if she did go and save Naldo's life, that is still going to be a really difficult thing that she saw and it's probably going to affect her for the rest of her life. Um, that's one of those problems that cannot be solved. Um, and, and then we get to KJ yelling at her, you know, KJ brings up the fact that, oh, you know, Larry lied to us and Tiff is like, no, he, he wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, she has an inherent trust in adults. Exactly. She's like really other three. I think something something we were Lee and Shelby and I were talking a lot when we were rewatching the show was um, that idea. Um, just because like Mac, Aaron, and KJ all have experience with adults in their life that fail them, um, mm-hmm. and Tiff doesn't really have as much of that experience. Um, and so she's a lot more trusting. He's uh-huh. he's another person that like you know recognizes how smart she is and that feels really good um she said it she said that they they were chosen he definitely appealed to her ego in that moment Mm -hmm. very dangerously (laughs) to tell like a 12 year old very dangerously yeah (laughs) if someone told 12 year old yeah i was chosen i'd be like yeah i'm not listening to you yeah yeah bitch i'm chosen (laughs) i know i was about to skip over the period do we want to you can't do that you can't do that. I only have like one thing to say about the period scene. Yeah, I feel like just that all it shows is that it's that uh, Tiff kind of like takes the lead. Mm-hmm. She like reads off the instructions and like talks about the side effects. I don't know. That's just such a smart little nerd thing to do. And, and once again, she doesn't sugarcoat it. Like clearly, it's not a, yeah. not a very not a very emotionally intelligent thing to be saying. Oh my god, my my mom's friend's leg fell off when she got toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> not a very sensitive thing to say when Aaron's freaking out. Um, yeah, and she goes fever, vomiting, diarrhea, rash. it out there by saying, oh, well, she's, she's still alive. Still she alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can cut through the punch. Yeah. Which is where Tiff decides that she... Yes, she's definitely, once herself. again, it's definitely, like, the whole idea of, like, feeling like she is and even, like, has to be smarter than the rest of them. Um, mm-hmm. It's that whole... It ties into the whole thing of like compartment compartmentalizing her emotions because the rest of them, you know, their emotions are driving their decisions. Tiff says, "You guys are all stupid, helpless little children." Um, yeah. And she doesn't. She does not include herself in that assessment. Um, she's yeah. she's not. To her, in her mind, she's definitely yeah. not a stupid, helpless child. Yeah. And once again, that sort of ties into the into the whole everything with the whole everything. The whole everything. Yeah, I'm gonna quote you on that. Um. Okay, now we're just gonna we're we're kind of just ha- gonna have to wing it a little bit because none of us took any notes on <laughs> on episode seven or eight. Um, so You're that's really fun. Six. We are. You're right. So right. <laughs> you have notes on episode. Hold on six. now. Go. I do. I do. Episode mm-hmm. six was really kind of where her arc really begins. Woo. I know we 
we talked about like how everybody's arc is kind of more you know spread out throughout the season but hers is really six through eight Mm -hmm. um so we do get to see them go and meet tiff and while tiff is obviously surprised about how her older self turned out uh because she does know at this point that future her runs an institute yeah Mm -hmm. and she knows she knows in some way shape or form that all of her success comes true so even she doesn't know the intricacies of adults tiff's experience just yet but Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead that that definitely reinforces the whole idea that um like her mindset and the the path she's on is correct Mm -hmm. yeah and so they they're confronting larry you know i think it's a direct contradiction to episode three where larry is confronting tiff and makes tiff cry Mm -hmm. but in episode six uh i think this is like probably my favorite tiff scene and probably like cameron's best acting in the show when she's Mm -hmm. explaining to larry what he did um you know leaving them all there in an unknown time to die a woman died he died um she's the one in the driver's seat there and larry's the one on the verge of tears yeah i just think that's really fun and interesting that's all i have for episode six yeah because that's about it um mm, so definitely i think it's really interesting once again we sort of see that older tiff is not very sensitive of tiff's feelings she definitely tries to be um which shows some growth um but the moment she gets frustrated she says you're adopted um (laughs) and you can see um i'll skip ahead for just a second you can see um when they get back that she's like you know younger tiff is like really angry and she older Tiff has to like actually verbalize to herself like you know the way your you know your anger is is valid like it makes sense it's a it's a good it's like it's it's a reasonable reaction it's sort of a good segue into the idea that I don't think Tiff changed as much as she thinks she did from Mm -hmm. that realization um because obviously to her it's like a super big deal um to her it feels like suddenly all these things that she grew up like not acknowledging as the truth are like suddenly untrue but there's definitely still a lot of that sticks with her in a way that i don't think she recognizes just the fact that in the cafe there's a specific mug that younger tiff is is drinking and it has the words i don't know i don't care and it doesn't make any difference yeah so younger tiff is like she says that's kind of a weird way to feel about things. And older Tiff says, what if I told you that's a perfectly normal way to feel about things? She says, there's no one way to feel about things. But I think there's a lot of hypocrisy coming from Tiff, older Tiff, um, from her like, you know, overestimation of how much she's grown and changed and unlearned ideas from her childhood. Um, that's really interesting because she says all these things. Um, like, you know, there's no one, there's no right way to feel in, you know, reaction to a situation. Talking about how she felt like rushed to grow up and then she felt so free being able to have fun as an adult and yet she like tries to tell tiff how to feel she's like i'm you so i know what you're going through and here's how you should feel Mm -hmm. um she's like ultimately this is for the best and tiff doesn't feel that way and i think that's that's part of the reason she gets so defensive and at the same time this is you know relating back to the black excellence thing um it sort of goes along with the idea of having to grow up too fast because she's like if if i tell you this now then you'll be able to speed run it you'll be able to get over it quicker than i did and it's sort of like why not just yeah you know that's not how that works at all it's not how it works and also like you were just talking about how rushing herself through that um sort of feeds into that black excellence loop of like you know you can do better than i did um if you get over this then you can be the best um later yeah um, you I think it's you very have to waste your time with enemy. 
you won't have to waste your time with MIT. You'll just be the best, you know. Right. I think it's kind of naive done. of adult tip to say something mm -hmm. like that, though. As if, like, learning that information in, in that timeline for adult tip, um, as if learning that information wasn't a very emotional experience for her, which I'm sure it mm -hmm. was. Um, and that's why she would want to bypass it if possible. Um, I, just, I just feel like that's a very interesting take. I also think part of it is the way Tiff and Aaron both interact with their past and as technically present selves, like kind of parallels. Like Aaron seems to see 2019 Aaron as like kind of separate from her, but both Tiffs refer to themselves as kind of like a we. So they see each other as like an extension of each other. So whenever one's not doing what they think they should be doing, I feel like they haven't realized yet yet like there's like a difference between like the current ages they're at like yeah. i feel like even like 99 tiff is looking at her younger self as someone a little older and wiser when all that she is is really just smarter and i wouldn't i don't want to say she isn't smarter than the other girls i think she thinks differently than the other girls in a way that is more like viewed as being smarter that's sort of all i have to say is there anything else that's all i have to talk about Okay, so we asked everyone on Twitter to ask us some questions for the episode. So I've got a couple in front of me. I'm just going to read off and everybody can kind of answer. Um, Joe is asking, for the tip episode, what are your favorite tip lines, comic or show? Um, barring what's the internet, because um, I think that's <laughs> objectively one of the best ones. I think other than that, oh, let's come back to me. I'll think about it. Come back her, to you. Like, okay. Her like yell the like no shit Sherlock. That <laughs> yeah. funny to me. I don't know. That made me giggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Let me just, think. I yeah. I to to not try to take take away from the silly. I'm gonna try and get a serious quote in here. Yeah. Um. I talked about it earlier, but at the fire pit talk in episode three, when she says no, it's not. I'm following. I don't know. I just love the idea of her reinforcing yeah. her intelligence mm -hmm. yeah. um i guess mine from the show um there's a couple of the show but i also really like the way she the line delivery of like it's the russians like it's not yeah. even a <laughs> so be it yeah. everyone into panic casually um i will have to think on the comic yeah um i like the um i swear to god on the holy bible i will shoot your pet in the neck <laughs> Oh no, I love Yes, that yes. Yeah. Everything that's, that's, about that's, her and the gun. I love it. Just Tiff and the gun. Everything about it. Yeah. Give Tiff a gun in a season two, please. Please. Tiff the gun. Um I think that that makes me um remember a line that I really like, which is when Heck and Naldo they leave the, the thing, the like time travel capsule thing. Um, okay. And they, they like talk and they sound weird. And she says, "I knew it was the Soviets." <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a, yeah. it's a very tiff line, and it's it like you know sort of reinforces a lot of the stuff we were talking about with her, and it's also just like objectively very funny. Nice. Anyway, okay, I got another question for Next us. Next question. Um, Audience participation. This is from user Hole in the Ozone. This one's interesting. I might have to actually take take a minute to think about this. Okay. Uh, what song do each of you associate with Tiff? Let me pull up. Um, I'm just gonna. Way. I'm gonna go ahead and say. Um, 
the Whitney Houston song that they play in the show. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. It's not Honestly, nice. it's that's the only one I can, yeah, it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now. I, I mean, I have a TIFF playlist, so I'm worried. Okay. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it should be more serious, but oh, I can't. It's a little silly. It's a little silly. It's a little silly, yeah. We like, love silly. I'm always beatbox music with her, so... <laughs> <laughs> I would have oh to say gosh. that Blue Dabadi song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I can see it though. I can yeah. see it. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I think something something that oh. I definitely associate with Tiff is um, "Townie" by Mitski. It's very much like to me, oh. like older Tiff, um, sort of like, mm. and and I think it also relates to like her whole thing with um, Russ, which. I I didn't we didn't really talk about him because I don't think I don't really want to he's, talk about him. He's inconsequential. He's, he's inconsequential, yeah. really. He's really just like I don't know. I feel like that sort of speaks. He's not Chris. Sort of speaks. <laughs> he's not Chris. So. That whole thing. Yeah. Lee Lee and Shelby and I when we were watching that whole um, sequence with with Russ and Tiff and younger Tiff in the car on the way to Larry's. Um, we were just like, wow, we really don't. I really don't want to talk about this in the Tiff episode because it's just like, Ugh. yeah, it's, like, it's just so cringe. It's sad too. It's, it's no, it's so sad. And then it's also like, why would you do that when you're younger son in the car? Icky. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot his name. Like you can, you can I, fix I straight that up later. His name in that moment. Yeah, I feel like it definitely shows. I feel like she lost a lot of confidence when she got expelled from MIT, and the relationship with Russ definitely shows that. Yeah, Tavia, do you have a favorite or a song that reminds you of Tiff? Did you say one? Oh, uh, see, I'm trying Sorry to put you on whatever the spot. You <laughs> Sorry, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to like my brain is going blank, but I'm gonna just say Whitney too. I'm gonna say yeah, uh, yeah, because it makes sense. It makes sense a lot. I think that because it, it's just it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Another an, that scene is so great. Another favorite Tiff quote of mine is when older Tiff, like they're done arguing, and older Tiff like sort of flops onto the beanbag chair and is like, "This is actually the only good song on this album." It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's so real for that. Yeah, it's funny. All right, I've got not even go true. It's I no, it's yeah. <laughs> I also also been that yeah. Um, I've got one more question for us. Uno mas. I actually don't know how to say this person's username, but I'm going to spell it out so that you know who says it. Uh, J-I-N-H-5-5. They okay. asked about if we have any theories about how the Institute in founded. Yeah. Which I've never mm -hmm. really, I've never really thought about. Um, I mean, I sort of went into that a little bit of like the, the whole idea of like a time loop where younger Tiff's note on, in the almanac starts that and just the fact that like she... <laughs> would have access to the information in that book right. probably would be a good a good start to that um that's sort of i guess that's my biggest theory i guess yeah i've seen that one around that's the only one i, that's, I guess i feel like that's I the one that makes the most sense with. um yeah I feel like it would definitely be more complicated than that but um oh yeah it's definitely a simplified version i feel like i don't know yeah. why i don't know why else they would put that in there if that wasn't um if that that book the and case. that note wasn't at least related to <laughs> Um, how the Institute was founded. She does mention when, like, younger Tiff is talking to her and is basically like, so what are you doing with your life now? Um, and she's basically, like, she mentions, like, getting together with a bunch of people to create a space for those who don't fit into MIT, basically, is what she, I think she was mm -hmm. saying. And so I guess that's, like, the beginnings of it. So I guess it's just, like, a bunch of people who got yeah. expelled. I guess. I'm like, <laughs> I guess earlier, 
when I was talking about my theory, I thought of the idea of like her seeing that note um, and sort of changing the direction of the Quokin Institute. But maybe, I mean, she was sort of like, even as a scientist um, and even seeing how Tiff like immediately grabbed onto the time travel idea once it was the thing that made the most sense. Um, even with that, it's it's sort of, she is a little bit jarringly, um, um, first of all, jarringly knowledgeable about time travel. That seems, you know, is that coincidental? I don't know. Um, but also just like really not surprised that time travel exists. Um, and so maybe maybe she was already working on it. Theorizing, yeah, she was already, um, maybe whether she knew it or not, she had kind of intrinsic theories and yeah. ideas about yeah. all of that stuff. Like, I feel like, I think I kind of had said something about it before, but like, I feel like also part of her not fitting in in MIT is having like, kind of like, um, slightly out there theories and like being really creative in what she believes science could do and pushing the boundaries of what's logical. Um, and I mean, there's like, there's tons of scientists that like said things regarded. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think Tiff definitely, definitely as sort of as a part of that black, black excellence, she wants to, she wants to be that significant. And so she sort of sees a pattern of like, that's how you get there. That's a good point. Okay. Is that it? Um, I think that's, that's all the questions. I think, I think so. I saw that tweet um, about the future of the person who asked about the future theories. Um, they also wanted us to talk about the grad, the graduation speech. Um, I do not have enough thoughts on that. Um, I will totally talk about that in the episode seven breakdown though, for sure. Okay, um, so that is our TIFF episode. Um, last week, this we sort of made the decision that the TIFF episode was gonna happen like right in the middle while we were um, recording. Um, but now we have a specific schedule of which characters are going at which time. So this week is TIFF. Next week will be Aaron, and then it will be Mac, and then KJ. So that is the plan. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like I said, next week's episode is Aaron. So if you have any questions um, or anything you want us to talk about um, to make sure that is mentioned about Aaron, um, email us at stonystreamspod at gmail.com or tweet us with the hashtag AskStonyStreams. If you're ever tweeting about the podcast, please either tag us or use the hashtag AskStonyStreams or the hashtag StonyStreamsPodcast because we like seeing things. Um, it makes us really happy.